Hello, and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I'm your host, Devin Moore. Today's guest is Acacia Ravizi. Acacia is currently in her pursuit of a doctorate of education degree in curriculum and instruction and plans to use gained knowledge toward the organization she's founded, Beyond Boundaries Global Leadership and STEM Academy. Beyond Boundaries values are faith, integrity, honesty, and transparency. They teach and they model these principles before themselves and their students with an overarching goal to produce caring and competent scholars. Welcome, Acacia. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, Acacia, I see we got our shirts on. I got that STEM shirt on. You got that mental health on. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. We got to support one another. Mm-hmm. So why don't you start us off by telling us about Beyond Boundaries Global Leadership and STEM Academy? So my company or nonprofit organization, Beyond Boundaries Global Leadership and STEM Academy, initially got started via my master's program at Old Dominion University. I came up with the structure of how I wanted the company to be ran. And now during my doctoral studies, I'm actually in a curriculum and instructions program with a concentration in STEM leadership. And this program is kind of teaching me the foundation of how I want my courses and my subjects to be taught, along with the research that needs to go into place to teach our African-American youth exactly how to understand these subjects. So how exactly does your journey with STEM start? So my journey with STEM starts literally middle school or high school. I remember taking all all honors classes, all AP classes, just to kind of make sure I um, challenged myself. I knew I was really good at math. I was taking calculus before I got out of high school. And my godmom, Kimberly Gray, God bless her heart. (laughs) um, When I told her, her and my family that I wanted to be a teacher, they were like, absolutely not. You know, you can, your potential is so great. You're so talented. You're so gifted. You should pursue engineering. And um, she sat me down at her computer. We walked through all of um, the different types of engineers that are out there. And then I chose optical engineering, went on to get my master's in engineering management. And now I'm, uh, I have my STEM Academy. So I've kind of had a a blessed and purposeful uh, journey. And I'm so grateful for those who kind of inspired me along the way. Well, thank you for sharing us, uh, sharing that with us. I love the background on that. I honestly do not see a lot of people of color in STEM. So why do, you, yeah. <laughs> why do you think there's a lack of people um, of color in STEM? So I initially think that at a young age, African-American youth are kind of molded to think that they can't do it. They run into an initial hard problem, maybe in fifth grade, maybe in sixth grade, or maybe they've had a bad teacher along the way, and it kind of gets ingrained in their mind that this, these subjects are hard, and I don't want to challenge myself to do it. Oh, that's really hard. Let me just stick to doing the bare minimum so I can just graduate high school or graduate college. And what I want to do is, which is why I'm starting with pre-K and kindergarten levels, is to start at the the bottom foundation of of the grade levels to kind of go from there on up to teach our youth that these subjects can be understood, we can understand these subjects, it's something that us as African Americans can thrive in. It shouldn't just be um, other nationalities that are dominating the field, because we do have the potential to succeed in STEM. And I like how you're thinking with that, because we really do need to start at a very young age while the child is, you know, still developing. 
Because right, you exactly. let them know you can act, you actually can do whatever you want, you know? Exactly. But regardless of your ethnicity, your background, your oh race, God. regardless. Yes. You can do you can do it, you know. If I'm able to start an anti-bullying organization at 14, I was 14 at the time, you know, okay. like we can we us black youth are amazing us black people are amazing we have so many talents right and, and act on them but unfortunately society doesn't really seem to like that right. <laughs> they don't really exactly. seem to want to not every society let, let me make that clear but still you know it's not it's not really taught so that's why it's good to hear that you're even able to focus in on that and allow for young um or black youth to really express their talents and you're giving them a platform to do so too right exactly exactly and I love what you said about how you started your organization at 14 because who does that you know what I'm saying who <laughs> I love how each generation gets better and better so I'm 30 and you are you know about to head to college and it's like wow you I started I started in my 20s he's starting in his teens so I love how each generation is getting better and better and better that's so awesome and so also now, like while you're working in, or like while like in college and like working towards, you know, getting your education and the curriculum and all of this, do you see a lot of people of color <laughs> since that's also dealing with STEM? Do you see a lot of people of color? So um, I do see a lot of people of color, but that's, and I think because I went to a historically black college and university, I went to a HBCU for, as for my undergraduate degree. Again, I got my undergraduate degree in optical engineering. And so I was in a scholarship program called Denemis, a full ride scholarship to, um, to um, Norfolk State University. And Denemis stands for Desorts National Institute for, for Mathematics and Applied Sciences Program. So it was a four year, four year scholarship program that started from freshman year to your senior year. But at a at a HBCU, once again, historically black college and university, it was kind of like we were all there to gain our STEM degrees. And so initially at Norfolk State University, I felt like I was in a I had a family-oriented environment where I could learn, make mistakes, and grow. However, when I got to my master's degree at a PWI, I kind of saw the difference in that you can try to pursue a STEM degree as an African-American person, but the family-oriented camaraderie may not be there. It may, you may feel like you're kind of by yourself. And I didn't, I think for me, because I was in graduate school, it was a little easier because, you know, I had already been through undergrad. I had my core set of friends. I had my core set of colleagues that I could lean on and rely on to get me through my master's degree. But that's the big difference. I feel like I had, um, I definitely felt like I was a, a surrounded by African-American professionals in undergrad because of my experience. But if you ever find yourself wanting to pursue a STEM program and you're at a PWI, I would just say, reach out to organizations like NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. There are other great um, programs on campus that can kind of help you get to, through your four-year degree. And I, I like how you added on that last part because my next question was going to be like, what advice would you give to other Black youth who really want to get involved in STEM? Right. Yeah, I right. actually, and it's kind of funny because I have, um, I have multiple Black friends actually who went to get into STEM, but it's just like, they didn't necessarily know how, you know? Right. And so like by you honestly just teaching me and like, you know, teaching our audience, we're really able to learn, you know, you're not, you know, you're not alone as a person of color going into STEM, you know, you're not alone. You, we, right. we have Acacia, 
we have right. our other black brothers and sisters who are really trying exactly. to get into this and like you know it's stem it's science technology engineering math like that's that's really cool you right. have your talent in that which honestly I just kind of see that it's really hard because <laughs> it's like right. such complicated things but you know we still we it's not impossible that's just exactly. what I, that's what I have that's, to like, yeah and that's the thing I am so excited to do is start changing that narrative to to help our youth see you know yes it may be difficult but guess what it's not impossible so why don't you tell us about some of the events and different activities that you have that beyond uh, STEM boundaries? So right now we um, are we have two scholarships that we host for collegiate students. One is um, five hundred our Dalton scholarship. Um, another uh, NSU and ODU alumni of mine, Cedrica Dalton, who's the sponsor for that one. Um, we think we're think we're upping it to 1000 this year. We got to see how um, the finances go, but we're trying to be able to blessing to those who are who may need the scholarship money. Um, we also have our Tracy C. Harrison um, a scholarship coming out this year. Um, that'll be a $500 award. Looking forward to blessing those um, individuals who apply and those that individual who selected as the winner. Um, we have summer camps that we want to initiate that are on our website that we want to get started. Right now we're in the process of finding a building and um, fully getting our doors open. So I established the Beyond Boundaries um, Global Leadership and STEM Academy officially in 2020. And since then I've kind of been learning how to transfer a, a, a corporate company to a nonprofit, doing all the background stuff. I've hired a grant company. They've been writing grants for me. So, I, and I've been learning how to write grants as well. So I've been kind of doing, and as well as being in school to make sure I'm, I'm learning the process of developing a curriculum. So I feel like I'm taking, it, I'm taking it slowly to make sure that it's long lasting and that I have longevity, but the programs and things that um, are on, uh, that, are, that we do for like, the Academy, you can definitely find on our website. And we're also doing um, a K through 12 scholarships as well this year. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to give two $250 or one or five um, $100 scholarships to the K through 12 students. Just got to figure out how I want to work it out. But we want to be a blessing to those who are going to college and those in K through 12 as well. Well, well, Acacia, that's amazing. <laughs> like you're doing Thank all that. You. Yeah, like about to get a whole building dedicated to, you know, help giving youth a platform to enact on their talents. I'm gonna keep saying that because I'm like, it's so, it's so, I think it's almost like magical or I don't know if I wanna say that word. It's really amazing when yes. like, you know, you know what you wanna do and you go into it. And then especially when it's them, it really gets your mind thinking as you already know, but it really right. gets your mind thinking doing these types of things. So I'm like, that's so exciting. And so um, now Acacia, I kind of want to go back to like, um, I know you're telling me about your journey um, with STEM. And so like, as far as that, when you were younger, I know we talked about being a black person or a black youth who is going into STEM. Did you ever feel almost like, almost isolated or like genuinely told like you weren't able to go into this field just for like simply being black or simply being yes. like, you know what I'm saying? Right, and so initially when I was in high school, my high school was kind of predominantly Caucasian. Um, and in my specific classes, in my honors, in my, all of my honors classes, I was in the class with a lot of Caucasians. Um, and it wasn't a problem, 
but it, it was kind of like I almost didn't even know my own potential and what I really had within until I got to H my HBCU at Norfolk State University. I was the president, vice president, and secretary of Nesby for like different years. I was the ambassador for Thurgood Marshall College Fund as um, for, for a couple of years. And I did so many other things that kind of helped me see like, you know, you God really bestowed a lot of great things in me. And it's my obligation to make sure that I instill those into the next generation. So not necessarily feeling isolated and, um, in college, I think my, my time period where I felt most isolated was at during my graduate school program. Wow, Acacia, I'm loving all these things that you're telling me. Just keep on telling them. You did this in college. You did this, this. You're still doing this, this, and this. I love that. And I know there's something else that you um, say. One of your sayings is, life has no meaning unless you live each day with no regret. Can you tell us what this means and um, why you say this? So I actually, um, I, I have my mental health of matters shirt on because I, I have my own personal journey with mental health. Um, I was hospitalized a few times, literally a few, like two or three months after graduating from um, Norfolk State University with my undergraduate degree. And so I initially didn't really know how I was going to kind of keep moving forward. Um, and I was diagnosed as a bipolar disorder. Um, I've kind of transitioned. I've been diagnosed that way. I've been diagnosed. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in, in 2015. And now 2022, I've kind of transitioned to bipolar two. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of, I've kind of moved past the rough patch of, 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 the, of the disorder. But um, to answer your question and why I gave that backstory, I, when I got diagnosed, I was kind of like, and my mom as well, God bless her. She kind of definitely made me see like, okay, you're, you have this problem, not problem, but you have, you have, you have this um, disorder. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to just lay down and take it? Or are you going to know that you can still accomplish everything that God had wants you to accomplish? And so I literally finished my, I, I, I graduated from Norfolk State, got my diagnosis. And then I started my master's degree like a year later. And I kept, it was tough. I didn't, it was really tough. I had to like take my medication, make sure I was getting sleep. Even still, even with my doctoral program, taking my medication, making sure I'm getting sleep. But you have to know, you have to live life with no regrets and really just, I, now that I'm here, I, I'm glad that I live, I live life with no regrets as far as persevering through the obstacle because I've made it to the other side of the trial and the tribulation. Yeah, I really agree with what um, with that just that whole model in general because you know if you're really if you're able to do these things then keep on going right like, get that master's degree get that bachelor's degree right. start that organization <laughs> you know right. do all these different things and it's so cool how you were even able to start these things and now you're working on you know getting a whole building dedicated to your academy which is amazing and something I know I definitely want to uh, visit once it's like really in place come so. on you know you have an invite <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's so cool and so um now this is kind of a little bit changing the topic but I want to okay. ask you about your name Acacia I really love your name what does it mean <laughs> so my name is a couple things it's uh I've heard of Acacia honey I, there's a tree in acacia there's acacia tree in africa but my mom's personal um cho choice for it is biblical 
and it is a town in Jerusalem. So um, she, my my sisters and my brother are all biblical names as well. My sister's name is Shekinah, Shekinah Glory. And my brother's name is John, John the Baptist. So God bless my mom. She's a born again believer and I love her. So um, she, uh, she definitely gave me my uniqueness from birth because I mean, literally anytime I go anywhere, I love your name, it's so unique. And that's what I've been getting my whole life, which is a, a huge blessing. I love that. I know with um, like a lot of black parents, they definitely do relate it back to the biblical. I oh, have, no. Yeah, I <laughs> I can, um, wow, actually, wow. Now that I think about it, a lot of like my, you know, like more so black friends seem to all have like religious names now that I think about it. <laughs> now yeah. that I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, wait, no, I cannot name so many people as we're talking about it, but okay. <laughs> Seriously, that's, yeah, so. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I just was blessed that I was able to get such a unique name. Um, and I'm just, I got to just roll with, you know, what I was given. <laughs> yeah. Well, rolling with it and rolling with your amazing talents in STEM. What's something else that I know you gave um, a lot of good feedback just as we're talking, I mean, excuse me, advice just as we're talking, but like, what's something else that you would say to youth who are actually, you know, like youth in general, who want to get into STEM, but um, maybe scared, may have self-doubt, may have lack of encouragement. What would you say to um, youth who are, who want to get into STEM, who may be going through those things? So the first thing I would say is to, um, first of all, find a support system. That could be your parents, that could be your counselor, that could be your advisor, that could be your classmate, that could be anybody that'll believe in you. Um, and the second thing is to kind of like have confidence and um, just know that you have the ability to, uh, to handle anything that comes your way and never give up. Um, a quick background, I was in calculus too. My professor in, um, my professor in um, college, he was just an undergrad. He was like, yeah, you just need to drop my class because you're going to fail. And I took that, I took that on as a challenge. I was just like, so you think I'm gonna fail your class? Like, okay, cool, we'll see. And so when you're faced with those obstacles during your journey as youth and you're in STEM, you kind of have to know that you have what it takes to accomplish the goal. Um, I also would say utilize your, um, your, your teachers and your professor's office hours. So if you have a teacher, um, if you're K through 12, definitely go to those after-school math programs, go to the, any after-school tutoring programs that they have in your local community. And if you're on the collegiate level trying to push your way through, stay in your professor's office. They have office hours for a reason. And that is their designated time to help you through um, your courses, to help you through your subjects. And last but not least, find a community, as I kind of said in the, in, in the beginning, find a community that'll support you throughout your entire journey. Well, thank you again for sharing that. What's been the most rewarding part of your journey dealing with, honestly, I just want to say STEM in general, like both right. your academy and just your work with STEM. What's been the most rewarding part of your journey? I think the most rewarding part that's been, that I've experienced is the feeling, we haven't even gotten into our building yet and we haven't even um, kind of really started to uh, hold classes where we're teaching the, uh, the different subjects that we would like to teach. But so far from the scholarships we've given, from our intera interactions with the community, I feel like the reward I've gotten 
the satisfaction, no, the gratefulness and the gratitude, I, I should say rather, that I've gotten from being at, making an impact. That's been the greatest reward because it's okay. Yes, you can say, you know, you make a lot of money in STEM. Yes, you, yes, you do. Those are great things as well. But I feel like if you're not making an impact, you can have the, the, the as much money as you want, but you can still be unhappy. So just really making sure you're giving back to the community and trying to help others. I think that's been the most rewarding part, giving back and making an impact on our younger youth. What would you say is the most challenging part of your journey? <sighs> the most challenging part of my journey, I think I've kind of went through that before, kind of like having to reprogram my brain a little bit after I got diagnosed as bipolar. Um, and just kind of really just telling myself, I just literally made a reel two days ago and I put a few pictures from undergraduate and from graduate school, kind of telling myself, despite how I transitioned through life, because I'm only 30. So at 40, I could, you know, that I could, something else could happen or not in a bad way, but I just great. I'm the hardest part has been kind of just knowing who I am and knowing that I can accomplish anything despite the trial I go through. So I think that's been the most difficult part. Like, like, as I've shared earlier, I'm just kind of knowing that, you know, I've been through some things, but just to keep going. So that's probably been the hardest part, learning how to um, find a new normal in all of that I've gone through. I really, I'm really happy that you kind of, well, I don't, well, yeah, I'm kind of really just happy that you're even bringing up, you know, that your personal like journey with mental health also. Right. Like, um, I want to ask you just a few more questions about that, but um, That's also, fine. if you want to explain um, what exactly bipolar two is. So, or... oh, I, I wish I had my paperwork. I would read it for you word for word. <laughs> so <laughs> bipolar, bipolar two is more of, um, it's to say, to say, it's kind of, um, how should I say, I'm trying to think how I should say this where people would understand. So bipolar one, when I was bipolar one, I kind of had, um, I would have episodes where I, I would kind of, um, I would kind of have like, I think they call it um, psychosis. It would be a psychosis state for about one or two days. If I was overwhelmed, if I, um, work if I was too stressed, if I wasn't eating correctly, if I wasn't taking my medication, if I wasn't getting proper sleep. So when I say the other problem, the other question you had, finding my new normal, that was the most challenging part. It definitely was because now I'm like, okay, now I have to like learn how to, I would still want to succeed in my STEM career, but I have, I have my cross that I have to bear now too. And so um, that was the hardest part. And, and now bipolar two is basically, um, uh, it's more of a relaxed state. I'm not saying this will at all. And I want you guys to, um, if anybody's watching this, that um, is in the same position as I am, reach out to your psychiatrist, reach out to your therapist. I have a therapist and a psychiatrist um, because I'm, I'm not giving these definitions the exact way I should be, but um, it's kind of a more relaxed state. It's not as um, intense as bipolar one is. And that's been a process. I've gotten to this, to, to bipolar two. It's been a, um, a process to get there. You see, that's so interesting because I really always, whenever I'm like speaking to one of my guests and then they start talking about their mental health journey, you know, and they may not be um, like as focused on that, but then they have their own mental health journey, whether it be, you know, depression, or, you know, these different types of, or anxiety, or these different types of things, and right. you know, what you're going through with bipolar too. 
I'm always like, you know, you really don't know what is going on behind closed doors. You yes. can't necessarily look at the person and think, oh, Acacia has bipolar too. And like, no, you can't, you can't do that. It's so funny that you say that because for a while, like I struggled with being transparent with it. Like my, what I would do is I would, I would have un, I had unhealthy ways of trying to vent what I was going through. And um, now thank God I have um, my significant other in my life who has completely kind of changed my life for the better. And when I met him, I kind of like, he gave me a reason to like, get my life under control. Like, okay, I do have a future. I can get married. I can have kids. And so if what if you're going through um, something right now with bipolar disorder, whatever your mental health journey is, just kind of know that you just hang in there, um, reach out to those who support you and love you, find a therapist, find a psychiatrist, and they will help you along the way. That, no, you're just like spitting facts right now. <laughs> you're giving so much great advice. Cause like something... So I never really get into this one story, but I want to share this with you because I really like how you're um, like telling me about what you have gone through. Right. Um, so um, the so I was at my old school. That was where I went through racism. Those three white boys mm -hmm. decided to put my face onto such horrid, disgusting, racist images with like a gun to my head, my face on a gorilla wow. suit, my face going into the trash. And continuing to send more images with a KKK member, a noose, and a meme literally saying Black people aren't functioning members of society. Now, so obviously, that's terrifying. Obviously, my 14-year-old self would say, I'm scared. You know, I don't want to go through this. Luckily, my 14-year-old self was strong enough to go speak to my parents about it, which is a good thing. I always say to speak up. But right. now, that with bullying in general, it always has such negative mental health impacts with me, I went through anxiety, I went through depression, but something I never really talk about too much is the fact that the day after graduation, I actually had a seizure because of all of the stress. Like the doctor said like, <laughs> Devin, uh, so obviously telling the doctor stuff. So uh, he knew what was going on. And so he was like, um, Devin, it's stress, that was your cause. And then like him looking at everything else, taking like, you know, x-rays brain and all that stuff, it was stress. And I'm like, I didn't know stress could lead to a seizure. Yes. yes. I, didn't, I didn't know this could lead to this. I didn't know that could lead to that, you know? And yes. so that was really terrifying to me because now I'm in the now and I'm still like, there's still a part of me in the back of my brain. Luckily, you know, therapy has helped me out with this and just kind of also speaking to other people who have had their own experiences with like uh, mental illness or mental disorders right. and things like that. It's helped but it's still a little bit of a fear that I'm going to have another seizure because of all this stress. It's almost made me aware of myself, you know? Right. And yeah. so it's so crazy that you say that because my, my initial episode, um, I was, my mother was told it's a really, it's a really deep story that I, 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 I'll say, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into it here, but because it involves a, a church organization um, but the night that I was initially taken to my first hospital, I was at a church organization. And when I got to the hospital, they initially told my mom that I had been drugged and it was just really deep. It was really deep. And so my initial thrust into this mental health journey was because of something that I didn't even do myself. And so I was, it was very hard for me to handle that because it was like, you know, um, 
I suppose these people were supposed to love me. They're supposed to cherish me. They're supposed to take care of me, all of that. And so um, what I learned to get back to your point is that um, I initially, this happened to me, not of my own doing. It was, it happened to me at a setting where I should have felt safe, where I should have felt comfortable. And actually I asked high members of that, the night that they took me to, I'll never forget. Um, this was in Norfolk, Virginia. The night that they took me to Sentara Hospital, I asked a few of the leadership there. I was like, hey, can I just like hang out at your house until my mom gets there? Um, they all said no. And so it was very devastating for me. And I actually stayed in the mental ward until um, my mom came to pick me up. So one of my choir members, I used to sing on the choir. So one of my choir members came to my mom's house and was like, hey, Acacia's in the hospital. And she was like, no, no, she's not. She's probably just hanging out. Mind you, I'm coming home from college. My mom isn't used to me being home a lot. She's used to me like still going places and doing my own thing. She was like, no, she's probably just with her friends or whatever. So um, I indeed was at the hospital and um, she came and that was kind of the start of my mental health journey. Um, while in the hospital that night, when I initially got there, someone came to pick me up and I knew that it wasn't my mom because the voice wasn't familiar. So I kind of like, um, got a little, I was trying to explain to the mental health uh, counselors and professionals there that, that, listen, whoever this is coming to pick me up, this is not my mom. I can hear her voice. I didn't see her, but I'm trying to explain like, this is not my mom. So um, they initially ended up giving me a shot that kind of like knocked me out a little bit. And so serious, Devin, to this day, like one of my eyes, still not right. <laughs> but um, they, they, they initially ended up giving me a shot I kind of went to sleep and then I woke up and then I was in, I got, um, um, they did, they ran a whole bunch of tests on me. And then I was in like the actual mental ward of the hospital. Devin, when I tell you this story is crazy. It literally lets me know that the enemy tried so hard to just take everything from me that I had accomplished because he knew my future was so bright. And I'm just so glad that I have the family and the, um, and the people in my life that helped build me back up crazy story but to get back to your question you initially said your stress kind of led you to your seizure and um you realizing that the deal and the same thing with me so my psychiatrist now and my therapist they they tell me now that any type of psychosis episode that I may experience and I haven't had one in, in like three years now thank God to um, my significant other Rodney, who's really become a pivotal role in that. He's on me every day, Devin, like, did you take your medicine? Like, how did you get this? You, I know you want to accomplish one more thing. I know you want to send one more email, but you need to go to bed. <laughs> so he's like on me making sure that um, I remain healthy and happy. But yes, my, um, my psychiatrist and my therapist now know that any type of psychosis episode that comes my way is triggered by stress. So I feel when I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I feel like I'm doing too much because I still work a nine to five job as a program analyst and in, in, in spite of everything else I'm doing, but I just kind of have to know my limits and know when I can stay up, stay up a little later to get the assignment done or know when I have to call it a night. Um, Acacia, I kind of want to, firstly, wow, that's a crazy story. <laughs> Isn't it? It's insane. <laughs> like, how does, how did you even go through that? Well, you were, no, because you were like knocked out. I was, I was literally, I was, um, I was, I was aware of myself when I initially got dropped off. 
And um, I won't say which church official dropped me off at the hospital, but I I stayed at the hospital. I was in like a in, in a um in a room kind of off to the side and I gave them my mother's information. I gave them all my information and I thought that someone I thought my mom was coming to pick me up. So then I think somebody I I personally think it was somebody from the church who was trying to pick me up because I think that they once the pat once the pastor got um, notified of what happened, he may have been trying to help and do damage control. I don't really know, but I just know I was already kind of in a frightened state and I knew that it wasn't my mom. And so I wanted my mom. And so I think, of course, the wrong thing to do if you're already in like a mental um, arena or a mental hospital is to like raise your voice. But I was just start, I literally just started screaming like, that's not my mom. I'm ready to go home. It was just a long night. And so they they shot me with the um, I don't I'm not sure what medication it was, but they shot they shot it in my lower hip and I calmed down. I went to sleep, woke up. And then two days later, after my choir member like went to go get my mom, that's when I saw my mom. Crazy story, I know, but um, it's my journey, it's my testimony. And so all I can do now is share it to try to like empower the next um the next youth coming up. Like your your story may not be as um as crazy as mine was, but you can still go get through whatever you're going through. Okay, so I'm I seriously have like no words. I, I was, <laughs> no, I was really not. I mean, expecting unexpected, but I was not expecting you to even talk about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's it definitely it definitely was a um a pivotal moment for me. But um, to go back to your question, I think I really taught myself, and my mom, God bless her, kind of paved the way for me because her 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 major was in psychology. So she kind of like had the background knowledge a little bit of how to handle the whole situation. And I just literally had to tell myself and my godparents were as well, Kimberly and Roosevelt Gray, they really helped me through the entire situation. And I just literally had to tell myself one day at a time, you're gonna get through this one day at a time. Don't think about how you're gonna finish your master's program because that's two years from now, just focus on today. So I think that's some good advice to anybody struggling with mental health, anybody trying to get through your STEM program or your STEM degree one day at a time. Well, thank, I want to thank you again for sharing that and like just really diving in deep and letting us into your life as far as just your mental health journey. And of course with STEM. Um, so I know we did honestly discuss like what um, you want to do uh, going forward, you know, with getting your building, which as we yes. said, definitely comment. Thank <laughs> but, um, you. Love we, that invite. <laughs> so exactly, but um, so what else? What are what are your um other hopes and dreams for your um for the academy moving forward? Okay, so my hopes and dreams is that my research will prove that we, our students can do this. So um, my research is based off of Howard, of, of, off of Howard um, Gardner. He was a um, Harvard degree psychologist. And he initially came up with the idea that there are multiple intelligences and that people can learn by way of music, by way of speech, by, by different methodologies. And so what I've been doing in school what I've been learning in school is to kind of like, how can I tap into past previous research, 
apply it to what these kids need to currently learn so that we can help all African-American youth learn more about STEM. So our five learning intelligencies that we're gonna teach is Aureo, the sound, interpersonal, um, group setting, intrapersonal, individual, object-based, um, which is through objects, and linguistic, which is just through verbal. And those are gonna be our five methodologies for how we teach the STEM subjects to our youth. And uh, through graded tests and through graded exams, I'm gonna um, initially have a group of, we call it um, no mix and mix in my like, you know, research uh, papers and stuff. So one group will be given an exam with just the regular way we teach. And another group will be given an exam via those five intelligences I just went through. And I'm hoping that the research will be able to prove that the um, teaching via multiple intelligences, the, the scores will be higher so that we can say, if, we are, if we're able to teach these subjects this way, then maybe these students who, who are deemed, you know, unable to um, study, unable to understand the concepts, you know, African-Americans, they, they don't understand math. Maybe we can give ourselves a chance to help our youth get it. I really like that. I really do. Cause it's like, you really are catering to a bunch of different communities by right. like focusing in on these like different ways of learning that you just explained. Right. I like that. Cause it's like linguistics and the, like the different ways that people learn, you're really honing in on that. Right. Them. That's really cool. That's sorry. I'm just kind of like about to fanboy over that. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I have to initially, once again, shout out my significant other, because when we were having our, uh, literally in the car after dates, I'm like, babe, I want to start a STEM academy. And he's like, what you mean? Let's do it. You know, this, this is what we about to do. And I'm like, okay, babe, like you believe in me? Like, okay, let's do this. And he initially gave me the five, he initially gave me the five um, types of intelligences that we were going to use to help the African-American youth. But when I got when I got enrolled into my doctorate degree, that's when I was able to add like the professional research onto his initial five topics, and that kind of expounded what how we're going to be able to help him. Well, you see that that's the type of support that we need. That's the type of support. Come that on. We need. Mm -hmm. So, and then you mentioned that you're a program analyst. What exactly is that? <laughs> so I work for the Department of the Navy as, I mean, Department of Defense, excuse me, as a program analyst. And what we do is we program DON, Department of Navy, POM, Programs, Objectives, Memorandum, and Execution Guidance um, uh, Cycles, where we are looking at out-year availabilities for uh, carriers and submarines. And we are literally programming when, in, uh, when those uh, submarines and carriers are going to have maintenance done on them. And, and we have to budget for that as well. So we're talking big picture, millions and millions of dollars that we're programming for um, the submarines and the um, Navy carriers to kind of have their regular maintenance done on them. Okay, that's that, that's that black empowerment. I see you. Yes. I love that. And, oh, come on and wait. And I got a black supervisor. Okay. 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 <laughs> I see you. I see you. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on this podcast and just chatting up with me. This is really good. And thank you for really opening up to me. I really like, I truly appreciate that. Just like me personally, because that also allowed for me to also just think about how there are certain things I don't necessarily open up about when it comes right. to just my own personal story. Because I never right. really talk about how I, you know, 
I had a seizure, but I think that's because it's almost like a little too traumatizing just because right. it could potentially happen again based on the right. things that I've learned. Like, you know, and I look at people who have epilepsy and the different types of epilepsy and it's just like, you know, seeing other people who are having their own, whether it be mental illness or disorder or anything. And they're, you know, they're also, they're not letting that hold them back. They're continuing to do that. Like, how, uh, excuse me, they're continuing to be great. Like how you're continuing to be great right. and using your platform to help others, helping our black youth, helping our PLC youth. Yes. You know, I love that. So thank you so much for coming on the Race to Speak Up podcast and sharing your journey. No problem. Thank you much for, for inviting me. Thank you for your transparency. I just want you to know, take things one day at a time. You are about to start the most amazing journey of your life going into college. This is your time. This is your season. This is your moment. Embrace all that's happened to you, but know it was only to empower you for a better future. Know it was only preparing you to get to where God wants you to be in life and know that you can accomplish anything as long as you put your mind to it. You are going to be so amazing. Ah, thank you, Acacia. Thank you so much. Oh, do you also want to share your social media and your website? Yes. So my website, www.beyondstemboundaries.org, that is on my um, social media page as well. Instagram at stem for you, S-T-E-M, the four, the letter four, um, Y-O-U. Um, Facebook is Beyond Boundaries Global Leadership and STEM Academy. And TikTok is at STEM for you, S-T-E-M, four, the letter four. I mean, the number four, excuse me, and Y. Oh, you. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Acacia. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you had a great time enjoying this podcast as I know I did. You know, you guys know. Same. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then I hope to see you guys at future podcasts. If you ever have any questions about it, about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. And then head over to my social media at Race to Speak Up for updates on future podcasts and future events. Make sure to go over to my website, www.racetospeakup.com and check out, again, all my events, everything Race to Speak Up and join the Humanity Rising movement. Humanity Rising offers scholarships for students making a difference in the world through service. Visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. And remember to ask yourself this question. How do you race to speak up?